0: This is a Gandhi quote from old Mahatma Gandhi Who's one of my favorites um, I like him a lot There are several people in this century I find inspirational um, I like Gandhi I like Churchill And I also like the fact they couldn't stand each other I like things like that You know, I, They had so much to say But not to each other um, uh, What uh, Churchill called Gandhi That bandy-legged little fakir Um, F-A-K-I-R Fakir it's uh, not a happy word in British Um, but Gandhi says I have only three enemies my favorite enemy and the one who is most easy to influence is the British Empire my second enemy who is far more difficult to influence is the Indian people And my third enemy, and I don't seem to be able to do anything at all about this one, is a fellow named Mohandas Gandhi. The closer we get to ourselves, the harder it is to change anything. Gandhi could bring the British Empire to its knees. But as far as changing his own behavior and dealing with his own stuff, it was virtually impossible. Again, this is why most self-help programs are not effective. If we could have changed ourselves, we would have. We really need a deep connection, or any connection, with the power greater than ourselves. Then change can start happening in our lives, but a lot of it depends on the key of self-acceptance self-acceptance really is the key my sponsor who whines and nags me a lot um, about things that I think he should just not talk about at all uh, one of his big one of his big themes is this self-acceptance stuff and having been around a lot of us for many many years in being one of us what he notices is this when we're busy fighting ourselves nothing changes when we start accepting what's going on things change this happens, and a lot of this, by the way, it's not logical, but it, it, it's not logical, it's paradoxical. It shouldn't be this way, but it is. For instance, once alcoholics admit to their bones that they can't stop drinking, many of them get sober. That makes no sense. When I can admit to my bones that there are things about me I can't change, change starts suddenly there's movement and a lot of that is in that great gift of self-acceptance this is how I'm put together and from self-acceptance comes a tremendous amount of freedom a book that taught I'm I'm a reader I'm one of those people who read now sometimes I read to escape and sometimes I read to learn, and sometimes I read because I'm bored. There are a dozen reasons why I read, but I am one of those people who read all the time, and I have real strong likes and dislikes. Um, And there are all kinds of books that I, I mean, there's a long list. I mean, we can get into things like that. Um, But there are some books that really, really uh, explain things to me nicely. And one that I've read this past year and I found helpful is written by a physician named Gerald May, M-A-Y. And he's written several books. One is called Addiction and Grace. This was out several years ago. A lot of people read it. I tried reading it. I could not get past the first chapter without wanting to throw it across the little room. And I tried it two or three times, and I mentioned that to someone, and they said, well, then skip the first chapter. (laughs) taking insight Um, and I did and I find I like the rest of the book very very much I just couldn't read the first chapter Um, and I'm sure there's a deep reason why I couldn't Um, this is his first book it's called Simply Sane Simply Sane Um, the small print is The Spirituality of Mental Health the spirituality of mental health. And he thinks that the way, and I agree with him, many of us lead completely miserable lives because we are so embarrassed at who we are. And we're convinced that we, if we could only fix ourselves a little, or a lot, we'd be fine. But to accept ourselves is so humiliating and so embarrassing, we can't do it. Um, And a lot of our culture plays into this. Almost all advertising plays into this. And here's what he writes about. He says, this is about, oh, about two or three minutes of stuff on fixing. Fixing, I'm going to get fixed. No, I'm going to fix them. In one day's bounty of television commercials, fixes are offered for every conceivable human defect. Fixes for constipation and for diarrhea. For runny noses, stuffy noses, ugly noses, pimply noses, for insomnia, for drowsiness. If you're bored, there's something exciting to fix your boredom. If you're ignorant, there's always something to learn. If you're not attractive enough, there's a beauty fix. There are fixes to make you smell good. There are even fixes to make you smell natural. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) And to make your hair curly if it's straight and straight if it's curly. I love that one. See, you know, I you see different groups get approached different ways. Get fixed. In all kinds of advertising, from the blatant affront of TV commercials to the subtleties of word of mouth, nothing can escape the fix. And it's not just that fixes are offered. The message is also that one ought to be fixed. See, you're not good the way you are. You're not good enough. You'd better be fixed. And then you can start your life. But until you're fixed, you don't have a right to a life, and you're taking up space. That if, perchance, one should pass a certain fix by, not partake of its wondrous possibilities, one really isn't being very responsible for oneself. You know, let's get fixed now. Come on now. Our attitudes toward this fix pitch are very interesting. On the one hand, there's a strong desire to be fixed. Boy, do I have that one. On the other, there's a feeling of being insulted by the suggestion that we ought to be fixed. It is not too difficult to accept that one's house, automobile, clothes, or sewing machine need to be fixed or improved upon. It is without great discontent that one might learn that there are better ways of washing dishes, laundering clothes, or fertilizing the lawn. But it becomes more irritating <clears throat> to be told that one should fix the way one's body smells, the way one wears one's hair, the form and substance of one's breasts, the configuration of one's hemorrhoids, or the water level in one's sinuses. <laughs> At the suggestion of fix as the suggestion of fixes approaches closer and closer to one's sense of self, one tends to become even more insulted. Suggestions as to how one should behave or feel or what one should aspire to come more as an affront to human dignity. But in spite of the insult, there is always a market for the fix. Pills, liquids, understanding, knowledge. Do your body this way or that. Change your food, change of scenery, change behavior. If the child is hyperactive, energy fix. If lethargic, stimulation fix. When worried, do an anxiety fix. When depressed, a happy fix. Having marital problems, marriage fix. Sexual difficulties, sex fix. Too shy and self-conscious, a confidence fix. Can't say no and stand up for yourself, assertive fix. Feel weak, vulnerable, abused in life, power fix. Poor, there's a way to get money. Feel a gap between yourself and your children? Communication fix. Understanding fix. Alienated, meaningless, wondering what it's all worth? Spirit fix. Religion fix. By this belief, that technique, this prophet, that guru, and be happy. Obsessed, entranced, hallucinating, preoccupied, impulsive, confused, despairing, suicidal, want to kill somebody? mind fix be well adjusted analyze free associate express feelings get in touch reenact work it through understand relate scream it out live it out act it out transcend integrate and become whole no wonder we're exhausted it is a relief in the first step of the program to stand up loud and say i'm pretty badly broken I'm pretty badly broken and I've tried all these uh, just this morning and and it's not working. And he says this, and I think this is a key insight. I mean, you can never be satisfied with who you are. There's some truth there. I mean, growth continues and life develops and there's always new stuff. That's real true. But if if it's all because you are humiliated by who you are, unhappiness is built into the system. Looking over history, um, it seems there may be another reason why all the fixes haven't been able to fix us to our satisfaction. It appears that the more fixes that are discovered, the more there is to be fixed. You just start digging. With each improvement, the more there is to be improved upon. The unending river of fixes continues to branch and branch, forming countless tributaries, innumerable swamps, but never reaching the ocean. You can make your own analogies between this and the fix of the drug addict. Sometime, at some point, sanity will have to ask, How long will this go on? Learning teaches us only how ignorant we are. That's true. Learning teaches us only how ignorant we are. At the end of three years of studying theology at the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley, California, which I did in the mid-1970s and got sober during that time, uh, one of my professors, In the last year said, if you leave these three years of study knowing how little you know, you're in a good place. (laughs) Learning teaches us how ignorant we are, which would be beautiful if ignorance could be accepted. But we can't tell people we're ignorant. We have to lie and cover up, you know. Power teaches us only how weak we are, which would be fine if weakness could be affirmed. Discovery of new fixes teaches us only how much in us is imperfect, which would be superb if only imperfection could be loved. If only imperfection did not have to be fixed, instead of accepted. To de- And I, I really think that part of recovery, a huge portion of recovery, is to learn how to live in and work through and talk about and function in the world where ignorance is a real part of our lives, weakness is a part of our lives, and, and imperfection is the way we understand a lot of things. <laughs> Instead of, no, 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 I'm only at my best when I'm totally strong and know everything and have no flaws. Annie L. up in Marin County says that um, perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor.